Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. Job 38, 1 says this, Then the Lord answered Job from the storm. Now those words for me conjure up all sorts of frightening images, especially when you know the book of Job. And we've been walking through the book of Job the last few weeks. The central character is Job, who's um, a, a man that's loved by God, who shunned evil and worshipped God. And God said, is there anyone in the whole land like Job? And then we read about the accuser, Satan, who came in and said, yeah, yeah, Job might be good, but he's only good because you've blessed him so much. If he wasn't rich and healthy and wealthy, then he mightn't worship you like he does. And so the stage is set for the book of Job. Over a very short period of time, Satan has his go at Job. And Job loses all his property, all his money, all his super, all his wealth. He's reduced to poverty. He also loses his sons and his daughters, which in that society is everything. He also loses his own health. So in one foul swoop, he goes from rich and healthy and with great kids to childless, poverty-stricken and ill, sick. How does Job respond to that? Remember the two questions we've been looking at the past few weeks. Is God good even when everything goes bad? Is God worth trusting even when you lose everything you have? These are the questions that Job had to respond to. And he does emphatically. Even though his wife says to him, why do you continue to be good? Just curse God and die for what he's done to you. Job refuses. Instead, he worships God. In the midst of his grief, he says God is good. Even when everything goes bad, God is worth trusting when you lose everything you have. At that stage, after a couple of chapters into Job, the accuser leaves the story. He's finished. He's done his worst. Job doesn't fold. He, he leaves the story. And then Job's friends come in, Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar. And at first, these guys are brilliant because even though Job has settled in his heart... God is good when everything goes bad. God is worth trusting when I lose everything I have. Even though he's settled that in his heart, he still has to deal with the grief of losing everything, of losing his wealth, his kids, and his health. And these friends come to him and they they cry with him and they sit on the ground for seven days in silence just to be with him in his grief. So they start out so well in helping Job through his grief. They're being great mates. Then after seven days, Job finally speaks What's interesting is he doesn't curse God and say, God, what have you done? Instead, he curses the day he was born. And he says, I wish I wasn't born. Why was I even born? That day is a terrible day. Why didn't I just die as soon as I was born? Why have I, have I, do I have to go through this pain? It would be much easier if I was just asleep. And you can understand it, the pain that he's going through. He wishes God would just let him die. Like I said, though, he didn't curse God. He just wished he was dead. This was too much for his three friends who felt, you're insulting God, so we have to defend him. And over the next 30-odd chapters, we have the interaction between these three friends and Job. 
What they basically say to Job is, you suffer all this misery because you've got some sin in your life you need to repent of. You're suffering this because God wants to bring you correction. And so you've got to figure it out what you've done and you've got to repent of what you've done. Bildad, what a great mate he is, he even says this line, your children sinned against God and he punished them, that's why they died. Now that is a big claim, pretty harsh stuff. And what you'll find in these 30 chapters is these three good Christian guys, they couched what they said in spiritual sounding language. And they basically said, uh, if you live a godly life, God will prosper you and keep you free from sickness and negatives in your life. But if you've got ungodly stuff in your life, you'll suffer his correction. Job says to this, but what have I done? I honestly haven't done anything to deserve this. And his friends ratchet it up and say, you've got the sin of pride as well. You better repent, mate. And he's faced with this and what have I done? And, and it's just, by the end of this book, when you see the dialogue between them, Job is now starting to beginning to doubt God's fairness. It's interesting that when the accuser did his best or his worst to Job, Job was steadfast in his faith. Then the devil left and in came some Christian friends who said the wrong thing and then doubt began <laughs> to rise in his heart. This is what he says towards the end. This is what Job says, how I wish for the months that have passed and the days when God watched over me. How I wish for that time before when God, his lamp shone on my head and I walked through, his, through the darkness by his light. I wish for those days when I was strong, when God was a close friend and he blessed my house when God was still with me and all my children were around me. It was as if my path were covered with cream. Wow. And the rocks poured out olive oil for me. But now my life is over. My days are full of suffering. At night, my bones, they ache. Gnawing pains never stop. Now listen to this. Now remember right at the start, he's really, God is in this. He's with me still. I will worship him. Now he says this. In his great power, God grabs hold of my clothing and chokes me with the collar of my coat. He throws me into the mud and I become like dirt and ashes. I cry out to you, God, but you don't answer. I stand up, but you just look at me. You have turned on me without mercy, and with your powerful hand you have attacked me. You snatched me up and threw me into the wind and tossed me about the storm, and I know that you'll bring me down to my death, to the place where all people must go. I have become a brother to wild dogs, a friend to ostriches, my skin has become black and peels off as my body burns with fever. My har harp is tuned to a sad song and my flute is tuned to moaning. The very first Western song that you'll ever find. <laughs> so here's the interesting progression. Job was wealthy, healthy, prosperous. Job lost everything, but he kept worshipping God. God is worth uh, is good even when everything goes bad. God is worth trusting even when I lose everything I have. Then his three good Christian friends came along and said, it's your fault. It's your fault that this has happened. God is punishing you for something. Now, Job begins to think God is unfair. And now he's left with the question, why did I go through all this suffering? Did God treat me so unfairly? 
And he puts God on trial. And he begins to ask the questions. Why did you treat me like this? Why did you take hold of my coat? Why did you throw me in the mud? Why did you do this? It's like Job is now believing God is unfair and he's putting him on trial for his mismanagement of Job's life. And Job wants God's explanation of why this bad stuff has happened because my friends have told me it's happened for a reason. I can't work it out. So I want you to tell me why this stuff has happened to me. God, I want you to answer me. And God speaks to Job from the storm. For 30-something chapters, we haven't heard from God. It's been Job's friends and Job. But finally, God speaks. Job hears God from the storm. And Job wants answers. But God, instead of giving answers, asks Job questions. All right, Job, I'm putting you on the stand. This is what he says. In Job 38, then the Lord answered Job from the storm, who is this that makes my purpose unclear by saying that these things are not true about me? Be strong like a man and I will question you and you will answer me. Now imagine that, God saying to you, I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to stand and answer me. Where were you when I made the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off how big? the universe should be. Surely you know, you must. Who stretched a ruler across it? What are the earth's foundations set on, Job? Uh, who put the cornerstones of the earth in place while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted with joy? joy. And God questions Job over and over and over. Who did this? Who did that? Who made the great creatures? Who did this and who did that? Not small questions, but big cosmic questions. Who did this and who did that? And, and he points out to Job, you have no idea about the running of the universe. You've got your little world, but I run everything. I've got everything in my hand. You have no comprehension of what it's like to run this place. You see only your little point and your little point of time. That's all you can see. But I see everything. Who are you to question me? I'm now questioning you. And the Lord said to Job, Will the person who argues with me correct me? Let the person who accuses God answer him. And so Job's left with this now. Well, what do you do with that? It's like Kent said, all of a sudden you realise God is big and his ways are way too big for me to, too big for me to understand. And I can barely run my own household, let alone, let alone run the universe. I lose my keys every day. Imagine me running the universe. What a mess it'd be. Job, I run things. I'm the one in charge. You've just got your tiny perspective and you're questioning me about my unfairness. Now, how does Job respond to that? And Kent read it out before in communion. Then Job answered the Lord, I'm not worthy. I can't answer those questions. So I'll put my hand over my mouth. I spoke one time, but I won't answer again. I spoke two or three times, but I won't say anything more. 
But God isn't finished. Be strong like a man. I will ask you more questions and you must answer me. Would you say that I'm unfair? Would you blame me to make you look good? Are you as strong as me? Can your voice thunder like mine? And he goes again. And Job, he realises there are so many things that I don't understand about justice, about fairness, about running the universe. I need to be humble and realise God is in control and I simply need to trust in him. Then finally, Job answered God again, I know that you can do all things, God, and that no plan of yours can be ruined. You asked, who is this that made my purpose unclear by saying things that are not true? Surely I did that. I spoke of things I don't even understand. I talked of things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak and I will ask you questions and you must answer. My ears have heard of you before, but now my eyes have seen you. Now I've come to an understanding of you even better. What an encounter that was between God and Job. And it's like Kent said, at the beginning of Job, Job is called an upright man. He's called someone who is, there's nobody like Job in the whole world who is upright and blameless. Yet Job still had his spiritual journey that he had to go on. And he went through a whole lot of stuff and then he questioned God about it and then he finally comes to the point at the end of the book where he realises, God, you are good when everything goes bad. God, you are worth trusting when I lose everything I have. And God, I don't understand why some things happen. And I never will. I'm not asked to understand them or explain them. I'm simply asked to have faith in you, that you are good and that I can trust you. Fast forward to Chinchilla in 2022. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do we suffer? Why do unfair things happen? Why do good, godly people suffer disease and loss and tragedy? Why do good Christian people suffer the loss of kids who die early? Why do they go through cancer? Why do they go through accidents? And why does it happen? That question will never be answered. And God says, I'm the one who runs the universe. Simply trust in me. That's what's required of you. Trust in me and believe I am good even when everything goes bad. I am worth trusting even when you lose everything you have. Some things we just can't explain. Remember I said that Job is a book in the wisdom literature section of the Bible. And it's to help us live wise lives. Sometimes we just must say, I don't understand, yet I will still believe in God and I will trust in him. I went to do a funeral once for parents who had lost their, children, lost their child in a tragic accident. And these parents weren't church people. And I sat down with them 
Uh, they were friends of mine, but weren't church people. And I sat down with them, and the first question the father asked was, if God is good, why did he allow this to happen? I had no answer. Now, sometimes as a church pastor, you feel like I should give an answer. I had no answer. So I simply said, I don't know why this happened, but I do know where God is now. He's here and he's crying with us. And then we cried for about 15 minutes. And then finally, the father said, okay, let's prepare this funeral now. I saw the parents about one or two years later at another funeral that I was doing. And they came and they said to me, do you know that day, that day when we asked you why God allowed this to happen and you didn't give an answer, you simply cried with us, that was the best answer you could ever give. Because then we decided to look for God ourselves, to try see what he's like, and we found God. Sometimes the best answer isn't an answer. It's just to say, I don't understand, but one thing I do, I trust in God and believe that he's good, even when things go bad. I trust and hold on to him, even though I lose everything I have. Job's words in Job 13 really sum up his faith. He said, even though God kills me, I will have hope in him because I know one day I will see him face to face. Now that is faith. The amazing thing about Job's story is that God blessed him in the latter part of his life more than he did in the former. Uh, By the way, uh, God didn't just speak to Job. God also spoke to the three friends who sounded so spiritual but said wrong things. I'll read that out, Job 42. He didn't actually speak to them. He spoke to Job and said, you tell those three guys. This is what happened. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said, well, he did speak to them, but he asked Job to do something for them. He said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have said not what, what is not right about me as my servant Job did. Now I want you to take seven bulls and some seven male sheep and go to my servant Job and I want him to offer a sacrifice on your behalf and to pray for you and I will listen to him as he prays for you. So get this, it's interesting. Job loses everything, he gets a bit really down. His friends say, we're going to defend God. But they say untrue, true things about God. Your suffering is because God is bringing correction to your life. Uh, you've got something wrong in your life. And God actually says to them, you said something wrong about me. He didn't say, you said the wrong thing about Job. You said the wrong thing about me. What they were saying about God is, uh, with God, you've got to make sure you're doing the right thing because if you step out of line a little bit, then bam, he's going to get you. And God said, that is not me. I am a God who brings mercy. I am a God who is the God of forgiveness. I am the God who sent his son to die for people who were totally undeserving. How dare you say, I treat people well if they're good and bad if they're not, because no one's good enough. How dare you say those things about me? And he said, I want Job to offer a sacrifice on your behalf, and I want him to pray for you. So Job did it. 
Eliphaz and, Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, they did as the Lord said and they took the, and Job, he prayed for them and God listened to his prayer. Amazing stuff. But then God blessed the last part of Job's life even more than the first. Job, who went from nothing again, had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 team of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. Job also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first daughter Jemima, the second daughter Keziah, and the third daughter Karen Hapak. And there were no other women in the land as beautiful as them. And their father Job gave them land along with their brothers and after this, Job lived 140 years. He lived to see his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and even his great-great-grandchildren. Then he died when he was old, and he lived many years. Through all his suffering, through all his doubt, through all his struggle, God was still real. And in the end, God restored. In the end, God restores to us either this side of eternity or the next. God brings restoration to those who trust. He is the God of grace and mercy. And I know that even though he slay me, I will see him face to face and he will restore and bring joy because he is God. Won't you stand with me? We're going to pray. So maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you're suffering. And you're suffering unfairly. And it feels like it's unfair. And you're wondering where is God in all of this. You're simply asked to do one thing. Keep trusting in him. Because eventually your joy will be restored. Eventually you will see him face to face. And eventually everything will work out either this side of eternity or the next. Because he is the God of mercy and grace. And he treats us far better than we deserve. So keep hope. Keep hope in him. Keep hope no matter what people say to you. Keep hope even in the days when you feel like, God, I can't see you. I don't know where you are. Keep hope in him because hope will lead to victory. Why don't we pray? Lord, I want to thank you for the journey of this man we've been looking at the past few weeks the journey from loving you to losing everything, to having doubts, to suffering immense grief. But the journey to redemption and restoration as he kept faith in you. And I pray that as a church, as a people, we would keep faith in you. And our primary question would be, can I trust him? And our answer would always be yes. No matter what we're going through, no matter what tragedy I'm going through right now, the primary question is, can I trust him? And the answer is always yes. I pray for people today who are struggling, who are thinking, 
I'm asking that question right now. I pray that hope would rise in their heart and their answer would be, yes, I will trust him because he is God and I can trust him and he will never fail me. May hope rise today. I pray for the people in our church who are on a cancer journey, which can be such a difficult path. I pray hope would rise. I pray for the people today in our church who've had a relationship breakdown. And right now they're feeling lonely and feeling, will things work out? I pray that they would trust in you and that faith would rise and hope would be our thing, our anchor. Lord, I pray for those who've had financial loss lately, through COVID, through whatever's happening. I pray that we would continue to trust you and hope would rise in our heart. Lord, I pray for people, no matter what they're going through, what struggle they're having, that hope would rise as we just say the words, I can trust you, that hope would rise in our heart. May it rise even today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.